0: Hi everyone, it's time for becoming a better nurse again. Yay! We took a six month break and we're back. We're back for more inspiring, motivating, empowering stories that can help you become a better nurse. I'm Rebecca de Trinidad and my husband,
1: Aaron de Trinidad.
0: We're both here to start inspiring you.
1: We're gonna start with their second season, and we're moving into it's pretty much an, a COVID update, and we're gonna have Rebecca start off. Start us off. Go ahead.
0: Well, we just wanted to start off with you know we all have this uh, COVID times in our lives, so we just wanted to start out by updating you on our COVID life here in Florida, and um, you know we're we're kind of we're kind of like the, in the news when the news says we've had. We had the surge that happened this summer. We thought we had a surge in April and it was just kind of a flat line. And so um, we've been stuck at our homes and we've been going to work every day and we've been keeping busy, keeping up with the COVID. More detail would be um, I started working in a COVID unit and it was stressful, but We had plenty of PPE and we did uh, all the therapies that you would expect. We had patients get better, we had some patients die. Um, I've been, I've not had any infections or exposures myself or my family. So it's been really um, very reassuring to know that what we're doing is at least keeping us from getting infected, at least in my family. And then we kind of slowed down and then um, it just started picking back up again, and now we're in our fourth month of doing this, and it gets really tiring. I'll admit to that. And everyone needs a break. We
1: saw the wave coming from from China. Kind of went all the way through like uh, the Middle East, Europe, and then New York had it the worst. And when it was on the news and. It was just all over, saying, "Oh, the deaths and the cases coming up in the United States." Most of the stuff was happening in New York, and at that time, down here in Florida, we were getting cases, but not to the point where, um, not to the levels that New York was having. And New York—I mean—there was a lot of traveling opportunities to go up there uh, for weeks at a time, and it was—it was insane. You know, you would see the governor on there on a daily basis talking about their updates, their deaths, and what they're doing, they were pretty extensive. Down here in Florida, though, the volumes stopped at, well, at my hospital, the volumes kind of slowed down. At Rebecca's hospital, it slowed down too, and I was in touch with a lot of different people from different um, other hospitals in the county, and it just seemed like things were just really slowing down to the point where surgeries stopped. Um, And you can imagine when surgeries stop and the volume is low, you know, how do you generate business, how do you generate income? Um, But slowly, you know, a couple weeks or months later, we started opening things back up. Uh, At first, you know, it was very strict, couldn't go out, there was curfews. And then things slowly started opening back up. So in the past month or two, when that started happening, we finally felt the surge. People were talking about it, hey, you know, the surge is coming and, you know, be careful. And there was a lot of people who thought thought that was like a cry wolf type deal. But what ended up happening was now Florida, at least, it's so overburdened with uh, not just COVID cases, but just like, you know, just very minimal. We are not, we weren't really prepared for this huge influx of nursing home patients and COVID positive patients. And then on top of that, everything else, whether it's surgeries or anything else that's acute. And um, to the point now where uh, FEMA has sent um, workers to, Come to some of the hospitals to to help um, help lighten up the load. So now we're in pretty much the midst of it. Cases are still going up, like in the thousands. I think a couple of days ago, three days ago, we were like in the uh, one, two, three, four, in the five uh, figure number. So about thirteen thousand, then ten thousand. So we're pretty up there. Uh, really, really working quite a lot and just putting in a lot of hours into um, into into our work.
0: Well, I. Um I, I would have to say that we weren't we weren't prepared for the surge this time. I remember we were preparing in April when it was we were watching New York and how busy they were, and they had stopped surgeries and had all the extra staff. and we were all we were all practicing um, team nursing, we're all practicing critical care observing of patients. If you weren't on a critical care unit, like if they had to overflow to other hospitals and everyone was preparing for that. And we were we were getting the text text comfortable with hearing alarms and things like that. And then um, we had all this extra help from surgery and outpatient centers and things. And then when we opened back up and those surgery centers um, reopened, we didn't have that extra staff again. So then what happened is the surge came and now we have all these extra patients that we expected That we're going to come but we don't have the extra staff and and everyone ready to help deal with it so we ended up having this staffing crisis without and the patients coming without the help Um, it just happened to be where they stopped the surgeries again so we have a little bit of staff left to um, coming to back to help at least in my hospital i haven't seen fema hospital um, fema nurses in our hospital but i do know that they're here and i do know that they they're so short-staffed because we can't handle the amount of patients coming in with the staff. Uh, we're, we're not still at the point where they're in the hallways yet, but they're not, we're utilizing ORs, we're using PACU beds, we're using outpatient beds. So, you know, that, that's where the overflow is going and we just don't have the staffing capacity, so.
1: And to clarify, we were, as, we were as prepared as we could be in terms of our resources. So we have the PPE, we have the masks, we have, uh, as much staff- staffing as we need. What we weren't prepared for it is just um, this, basically the extra amount of loads with the patients that were coming in. Um, and it was just out of nowhere. It was like, oh, last week it was just slow, it's still slow, and then next week, boom, like this huge double and double triple. and double, triple. It was insane. It's like the floodgates open. So. We were prepared in a sense for maybe like a slow, steady uptick, but not this insane amount of like um, patience just coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't want to get too—we don't want to get political with our podcast, but we do want to, you know, be as truthful and as honest as possible. And the reality is that because of these cases, and we, we're still seeing them, that we, you know, the right thing to do in these these times is just to avoid people as much as possible. You know, I know you need to go out and and do your groceries, um, all these things, but be as safe as possible, practice good hygiene, stay away from people six feet away, wear a mask. Those are the right things to do so that you don't spread the infection as well as not get it yourself.
0: That's that's the whole crux of why we're supposed to be wearing masks is not, it definitely to keep the spread down, but it, keeping the spread down keeps the people in the hospitals from being overrun, keeps people from getting sick without needing to be sick and we can slow that progression. I mean, we might have to wear masks for a year, but who cares? People aren't getting as sick, and people are—we're able to take care of them in the hospital and not have to um, you know, stress out the family members and the nurses and the hospital staff for not having places to put them.
1: And the reality is that some of these COVID patients are really, really sick. Um, you know, Some of them are on life support. Some of them, if they weren't on life support, they'd be, de- they'd be dead. Um, some of them are extremely critical. Um, it's it's really rough, and and also in some hospitals they're limiting visitations or they're not having family members come in. So not only is it physically, um, they're physically critical, but you know it's very emotional on families too because they can they can't go, come in and see their 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 loved ones because um, there's limitations, and it's the right thing to do because you don't want to expose a family to sometimes some t- some type of um, disease that spreads so easily.
0: Yeah. We've been doing the same precautions as they CDC recommends, and that the you know may, we all need to follow.
1: It's a struggle because you get new information every uh, every so often. So um, initially, there were issues with um, w- w- wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, distancing, not distancing, um, what medications p- worked properly, what didn't. Um, so you know, the big talk about about hydro. hydro- <laughs>
0: Yeah, the chloroth- the, yeah, all chlorine. that.
1: And then you know, there's there's uh, discussion on too much fluid can cause a, um, a bad reaction like cytokine storm to these patients. And then uh, convalescent is another thing that's being promoted. So
0: we're do- and we're doing all those therapies in the hospital. You so. know, it's
1: a novel uh, virus. It's just you know you're getting a lot of information all at once, and you're trying to f- uh, filter out what works good for one patient. Um, what works good for somebody might not work good for somebody else, and it's just a huge. Um, you know, it's a big recipe of, uh, of 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 baking when you're when you're dealing with these patients. You know, you're not trying to figure out what's going to go good, what's not going to go good, um, et cetera.
0: And the to actually take care of one, it is it is mentally challenging because you are emotionally. Um, invested in caring for the patient but also making sure that you follow all the right protocols and guidelines so you keep yourself protected. I remember my first COVID patient and I was I was meticulous and it's a very time consuming to make sure that you do everything right and you want to make sure that you treat the patient fairly and then your staff fairly and um, that that adds an extra challenge to the whole COVID thing as well. And we come home and I strip down and I take a shower and, um, you know, you just sanitize everything. And when you do that for four months and you just want, you just want everyone to be better. You just want everyone to follow the rules and you just want, you just want, you know, to get back to, to um, your normal life that you had, you know, and it's hard to realize that it's not going to happen I yeah
1: you, it's really hard and you don't know what the new normal is going to be we do know there are certain things that will prevent the disease from spreading masks and social distancing but that's what us as healthcare providers believe the general public you know that's a different story mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a complete different story everyone's got different opinions yeah and you know and everybody's entitled to their own opinion but at the same time you know what's what's the right thing to do is it you know it's an individual right it, or is it a collective right? You know, are we trying to look out for the individual or for the collective whole? So there's a lot of questions that you need to ask yourself. And in reality, you, know, you should ask the professionals, you should ask the healthcare providers. We've been downing and, and gowning up for years. You know, If somebody has the flu, if somebody has MRSA, somebody has C. diff, we use proper protection so that not only do we not spread that to somebody else, we don't get it ourselves. And that's just the, com- the common sense thing to do.
0: Yeah, that's the standard.
1: And, that's, that's, and again, that's, that's been going on for years, since before this coronavirus thing happened. So that's mm-hmm. what we do in the hospital.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So as COVID is, you know, we're right in the middle of COVID, you know, we're here to be a voice to the nurses. And um, I started a new, a new leadership position back in February at the beginning, I believe, of the surge. Well, the beginning of the whole COVID fiasco. And then you know it's been getting so busy that I've 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 had to be on the floor in ICU to take care of some of the uh, COVID patients, and and as Rebecca says, it is mentally exhausting and physically. Um, Some of these patients you have to prone and they're ventilated, so you have to manually prone them, and it's it's backbreaking work. Um, It's also very psychological. You know you're going in there, you're you're hoping to god you're not uh, you're not going to infect yourself, and you're not uh, your mask is on good. Yeah, your mask is on good. You're not breathing in random things or you're washing your hands properly and then you come home you're all drained and you're wiped out and you're like man do i have covid i'm feeling really weak and tired (laughs) so it's like it's paranoid it's so paranoid but um but really it takes somebody with a lot of mental strength to to really push through these um push through these past couple of months and i think Nurses have to be strong-willed and have a lot of endurance to go through this because it's very taxing and It's very exhausting and you can see it in people's faces.
0: I've been running into the same nurses for the past four months and They I'm just really proud to work with these girls and these guys because they are They're just they're just doing it. You know we come in and day out we we um, Day in day out we shift in shift out. We just support one another and they just they know that it's there and they um just this one big team and I have to say that that's what helps me get through the shift knowing that you're not alone and that they're there with you and they um it like you can almost pre- pre-plan how the shift's gonna go in the sense that you know you cover each other and you have the right equipment and you have Every and the, the techs are there and they're just right on top of things and it just makes the shift go by so much better and you can plan little um, You can plan little we, we order meals or sometimes people get things donated and it kind of you know brings up the the level of um morale a little bit because we feel so supported by each other and then the outside meals have been really nice with the donations it makes us feel like the community is really involved too
1: so what we're going to discuss right now is what type of mindset do you go into um, work when you know you have all these crazy COVID stuff happening and you're going to get two different point of views one from myself and then rebecca um, you know, everybody's different. So there, some people are going to relate to me. Some people are not. Some people are going to be like this guy's crazy. And then some people might say, "Oh, I, I definitely relate to Rebecca. I'm more like her." Um, so, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go? Go ahead. Okay. So, <laughs> so as you, as as mentioned, I I'm a, I'm in a leadership position. So I do a lot of um, auditing. I'm in the quality department. But when I have to take care of patients, and I took care of them. Uh, for a couple of days in the ICU, two twelve-hour um, shifts. Uh, before I even started the ICU, I got into this mindset of you know I became a nurse because I am here to take care of patients. I'm gonna not gonna, gonna make any excuses. I'm gonna go in there and be the best freaking nurse I can be. Um, and it brings me back memories of of how I became a nurse and the reasons why uh, when I was younger growing up uh, when i was helping people out i just always loved helping people and then recently with my grandfather's death i realized that there's so much more left that i i I can do in this life you know to my um be give give it my all give my full potential so my mindset going into this is um because also because my grandfather was in the hospital when he died and he was very sick he had cancer and um just very afraid in his last moments of um of um of of life uh, family was scared and everything so you know your life experiences changes you um so my mentality going into into work is basically you know fuck it i'm gonna go in there and i'm gonna do the best fucking job i can do and i don't give a shit i'm not here to do any politics i'm not here to um uh, to you know to cost any riffs and break the culture i'm there to do my freaking job and i'm gonna do the best i fucking can with everything that i have And luckily, I work in a really good environment with a great culture and a great team. So that's just my mentality. You know, those 12 hours, I'm slaying it. I'm going in there, I'm giving medications, I'm donning up. If I need to ask for help, I ask for help. I have no qualms about it. I'm not going to feel bad for it. Um, uh, And I trust my team. You know, if if I need anything, they're there for me. If they need anything for me, I'm going to make sure I'm there for them because that's the exact example I want them to show me, the exact um, practice that I want to show them. You know it, it, it works it works uh, in, in 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 unison so i give it my all they give it their all and at the end of the day we can say we did a, a bang up job so it's really just going in there and just slaying it as much as possible the psychological trauma it'll happen it'll come but you're there to just to work you're there, you're there to help the patients you're there to encourage the family encourage everyone around you and you know any type of negative talk it's not accepted um, especially with how hard things are right now so we're out there to just fucking perform and that's really what it comes down to um your turn
0: <laughs> well i had the same attitude when i start well i've been a nurse for 22 years and when i volunteered for the covid unit i knew i wasn't going to be having an easy time of it so i went in there with an attitude i'm, I'm there to help i'm here to help this is a unit no one wants to work in and i'm gonna do it so I was there for six weeks, eight weeks, and um, I I went in there and I did a, I I stayed, tried to stay positive, I tried to stay motivated, um, and then now it's been four months, and... I float to the different units, but um, there's two covid units and then other units. But now I don't know about any of you, but you know, Aaron says I'm negative, but I feel some days after my shift's over, I go to work, I do I perform, I'm there to help the patients, but at the end of the day, I am beat. I am beat and I think do I want to be a nurse anymore? And I know that that some of you have to feel that way because you just are like, do I want to do this again tomorrow? Do I want to do this again next week? And you think about it, and of course you will, but it it does drain on you, and um, doing it every day, day in and day out, and you feel the strain, and um, I don't know if part of it's because I've been nursing longer, um, but there comes a time where you just, the mentality of Aaron where you just go in and you do it and you're there to work, you're there to perform, and that's really what I focus on. And um, it is definitely true, but it is still okay. And I am giving myself the permission to second guess what my my trajectory is in the future and how long I want to do this for. (laughs) So uh, it's definitely been an eye-opening experience to really... To really um, get in there and um, put forth your best effort every day when you don't feel like doing it, sometimes. That's why when you work with people who have um, the same, they support you and they feel the same way, or they feel they feel you whether they agree with you or not. Um, they feel you, and and I I support the nurses and I commiserate with them as well, and um, I think that that's what helps it because I know we've all talked about it so. Um, I have a different, I have a different thought process than Aaron in that sense, but um, I, I don't think either one's right or wrong. I think they're both real.
1: Correct. Neither is right or wrong. It's just different um, mentalities. And yeah, after those two shifts, I was wiped. I was beat. Two shifts. Two shifts. Not I was
0: four months. No, four months. No, <laughs> I mean I worked
1: four months, but not at the bedside. Um. Uh, but you know what that's you can't discredit everybody has a role to play not everybody does bedside you have people who clean the hospital you know you can't say because you didn't do bedside that they're not doing a, a, a good enough job either that's that's not right everybody's playing a role you know I didn't say
0: good
1: enough. no but i mean or downplaying downplaying somebody's role so i did two shifts i was beat great bedside but other people have other things to do um
0: those housekeepers though, they really do um, slay it, man. Yeah, the housekeepers they are there. They really asked for a and, lot. And not, not,
1: not only were they busy, they're even more busy now yeah. because now they have all these all these uh all these things they have to There's follow for the whole COVID.
0: for cleaning those rooms and yeah, they're just as scared too.
1: But going back to that, yeah, I was really wiped after those two uh, 12-hour shifts because I, I do five days a, a week. I actually do five days and then I work an extra day on, on the weekend because if not, I just get a lot of stuff piled on my desk. It's a lot of auditing and, 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 and chart. But but aside from that, the past couple of months, I've been out um, doing random, random things, whether it's sitting, whether it's helping uh, start lines or just helping in the ER – Or even just going around asking people if they needed anything. Yeah, not till recently, I did another two shifts in the ICU. But prior to me getting this new role, I was doing three days a week in the ICU. I felt like I didn't lose any of my skills. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so it's two different mentalities, two different. uh, There's nothing wrong also with the way Rebecca um, explains her situation because I, you know, as I'm listening to her, I'm like, you know what? Some people do question. Um, Where they're at right now in their career, you know, it's stressful. Is this the right thing for them? And I would say yes I mean, it's it's hard nursing. There's nothing easy about nursing, but it's extremely rewarding Um, I think you need to ask yourself not just um, you know, I think It's hard. There's nothing wrong about that, but But are you are you passionate about what you're doing? Do you feel fulfilled? Those are questions you need to ask yourself because Focusing on whether something's just hard and it's just beating you up. It's it's not a good thing to do because it's just going to drain you for the rest of your life.
0: Yeah. Um, Feeling that burnout, quote unquote. um, Feeling like your passion is gone. Those are big signs that you should probably look into um, what it is you're doing and why. Why is it? Is it because you're not getting enough sleep? Is it because you don't enjoy the culture you're, you're working in? Is it because you don't agree with the um, goals of the of the um, organization? Uh, is it actual physical labor involved with it? You know, some of us are getting older and can't do that, and maybe we're just blaming we're blaming the job, but we really need to look at ourselves. And um,
1: oh, that's, that's so good! Yeah, that's
0: a really. Um, it's really uh, important to think about. Um, I know myself. I've been I've been doing a lot of thinking about stuff like that. So that's what makes me that's what makes me feel more comfortable acknowledging that I question at the end of my shift how I'm actually feeling, and I try to I try to um, uh, stay positive and real at the same time.
1: That's that's a good nugget because you know. It- it may not have anything to do with your job or your career. It could just be your own personality. Maybe you're just negative. Maybe you just like to focus on the bad things and beat yourself up and not value yourself as you should. You know, you're know, you your biggest enemy. Are you talking good to yourself or are you talking shitty to yourself? Those are all legitimate questions that you need to ask because, again, it n- may not be the job. It could just be you.
0: Could be. It could be physical. Maybe you're not as healthy as you should be, and you're blaming your job. But just get out there and start eating right and start exercising. Get some extra muscle. Find out why why you're so tired. You know, um, are you is your health? Are you eating properly? All these things that can be affecting the way you feel, and it might not be the job.
1: It all falls on you. I mean, who else is? You're the only person who's going to take care of yourself. Nobody else will. So you need to figure these things out. You know. Is it your mentality? Is it your your physique? Is it your uh, your emotional health, your emotional well-being, your psychological health? All these things you need to, you know, and they need to be addressed.
0: Yeah, but we're here to help you get some thoughts in your head, to help um, guide your mind to think more uh, positively, inspire, motivate you to a new direction or towards your goals, um, give you inspiration to understand that you're not alone.
1: It feels like wartime. I mean, <laughs> that's how crazy it is right now. Sort of. And um, you know, during these times, it's it's these are trying times. These are times that people say that really bring out uh, people's characters. So you know, in, in moments of stress and, and difficulties, what shines in you? Is it perseverance? Is it endurance? Is it defeat? Is it failure? These are things that are. These are going to be really hard weeks, months that that are really going to try you. And you know, some people are, are harder than other people. Some people are weaker. Some people need help from others. Um, but this is going to be a good showcase of, and, and it'll display a lot of our weaknesses. And once we have those, we need to face them. Um, that's what I think.
0: Facing your weaknesses are hard. Just um, just recognizing them first, I think, is a huge step. So you can recognize your weaknesses, and you can prepare to deal with them one by one. Mm -hmm. Um, We all have them. Yes, we all have them. And it's just everyone's got a different weakness and different strength, and that's why we're all together to work together. Because my strength can be Aaron's weakness, and we help each other. And and same with your coworkers, same with your patients. There's Um, recognizing that weakness, and then. Finding who can help you and finding what can help and you. And I know.
1: just want to say, Rebecca has a lot of strengths that I admire, admire that I don't have, and, um, and and they're hard for me because my personality is so much different from hers. But she has a lot of great strengths that I, uh, you know, I it's hard for me to emulate because it's just not me. But you know, and, and in the same way, I hope I, <laughs> I, hope I have some strengths that she she admires. Um, but
0: well, I, th- that's a whole other topic. But just interestingly <laughs> enough that I can, I'll say this. What you find as a strength, as what you might see as a weakness, someone else sees as a strength for you to them. So um, I get surprised sometimes by what people find inspiring by me because I don't think anything of it. It's a strength I have, but I don't think of it as. All I seem to focus on are my weaknesses or my or where I'm lacking, and um, so it's helpful also if you can find your strengths and draw on those as well
1: this COVID season has really pissed us off and really um, allowed us to, to view a lot of things about our own selves. And so we're gonna be a little bit more raw and, and real in this second season. There's a lot of stuff we're gonna talk about, um, such as things like, you know, some of the episodes we're gonna talk about is how we feel during shifts and how it can affect, it can affect the shift, the mentality we go into it. Um, also, things like, do you feel do you ever feel like... Do you ever leave the hospital feeling paranoid?
0: Like you've done enough or you haven't done enough?
1: Sometimes that could be a personal thing. That can, sometimes that could be a, a toxic work culture thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk about making a change. The good, the bad, and, and the ugly. Um, change change sucks, man. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, really going to talk about all these things. But because we're in the middle of COVID and we because we've been so busy and so slammed with so much stuff... We did want to get an episode out and i think right now is the right time we both were uh had some downtime and we both wanted just to share a little bit um with our audience to let them know that we're still here Mm -hmm. and we're still uh, slaying the shit. (laughs) (laughs) so we'll be we're definitely gonna talk some more still
0: still still, um learning as we go
1: oh for sure for sure nursing (laughs) is a lifelong journey and a lifelong learning uh profession um so with that said you guys can find us on our social media um, at Twitter at Aaron de Trinidad I forgot all my social media because I've been like slacking on that uh, Instagram
0: MBR Roberts or
1: yeah yeah Aaron de Trinidad on, Inst- on the, the Instagram and, and then becoming
0: a better nurse on Facebook
1: oh yeah all this stuff <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> we have no idea what's going on. Check our
0: profile.
1: Yeah, check our profile. But we'll be, again, we'll be, tune in because we're going to be talking about a lot more stuff. And this is just a little teaser for the second season. Anything else you want to say?
0: No.
1: All right, guys, you guys take care.